in Romans chapter 10. And we know this verse, but uh, it's just been, been kind of meditating on this verse all week. Uh, it really is based on something that uh, Brother Hagen had said that uh, kind of got me to thinking about things. And um, uh, of course, you know, in the charismatic world, by law, you're required to know this verse. It says in verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we know, you know, that, that uh, the way we develop faith is through the word of God. So we don't develop faith through prayer. We don't develop faith through coming to church. We develop faith by uh, reading and meditating on the word of God. Amen. And, and, uh, and of course, listening to the word of God being preached. Uh, and so all of those things can, can cause your faith to be built. Uh, and, you know, in the charismatic world, um, really, you know, the Pentecostal uh, denominations have been around for more than 100 years. Uh, but the charismatic, they called it a charismatic renewal, really kind of kicked in around the late 60s, early 70s. And it was really a renewal of primarily the, the teaching gift in the church where people were taught the word of God. Because before that, it was pretty much screaming and spitting cotton, you know, for, for decades, right? Uh, and... Um, trying to get everybody saved, saved again. And well, you're already saved, right? So, you know, preaching is for the lost primarily and teaching is for the church. Uh, and the Pentecostal church never figured that out, right? We, we just preached everybody either to hell or to heaven, you know, one of the two. Uh, and um, uh, uh, I remember one time I, when I was uh, first went to college, I was looking for a church to, uh, to go to. So I was just visiting around churches, you know, and, and I went to this one particular church, small Pentecostal church, and um, I went to Sunday school, you know, it was fine, and, and went to the service, you know, and, and um, uh, met the pastor, just took his hand, you know, and, and um, you know, praise and worship was fine, and, and then he got behind the, the pulpit, and, and he took a, a breath, and that was the last breath he took. He screamed the rest of the time, I mean, just red-faced, I mean, just spitting cotton, you know, and, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, What's he mad about? You know, did, did I do something wrong? You know, he wasn't, I mean, mad at me, but, but just, I mean, just screaming the whole time. Uh, and, uh, of course, you know, I, I mean, I got saved in a, in, a, in a charismatic church, so, so I really hadn't been that much exposed to Pentecostal. And, you know, Pentecostals and Charismatics are not that different. Really, the difference is the teaching of the Word versus the preaching of the Word really is the, is the primary difference. And so, um, uh, and so, you know, in our circles, we hear the Word of God a lot, amen? We don't hear a lot of, you know, stories of Andy Griffith, you know, and, and it's not a lot of fluff and a lot of, you know, uh, we focus on the Word of God, and, and that's really the circles that we, uh, we operate in, you know, the, the types of churches that we like to attend, the types of meetings we like to attend. You know, they're teaching services because that's what the church needs is to be taught, right? We don't need to be preached at. We're already saved for the most part. You know, so it's okay sometimes to encourage us, to edify us, and to, to uh, admonish us to go to press in with the Lord. But for the most part, we need teaching. And so, so you would think if that's true, which I think is true, then we ought to have the greatest faith of any group of people on the earth, right? Any other, any other, any other Christian group on the earth, the charismatic people ought to have the greatest faith, right? And yet, if you look at the charismatic people as a whole, you know, you don't see that really. You don't see that as being, wow, these people really have great faith where they're, they're getting their prayers answered, they're living in health, they're living in prosperity, they're living in, in divine protection, you know, all of the things that can come by faith. Uh, we don't really see that evidence in the charismatic world, although you should, right? Because we're doing the part of it here, Romans 10, 9 and 10, or t Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So why is it that, why is that uh, not the case, right? Why is it that, that the case that the charismatic Christians are really not much different, not much greater in faith and less in faith you know, than uh, any other group of, of Christians? Uh, and um, and th this is, uh, and I never heard Brother Hagin say this, you know, as many times as I've heard him uh, preach. He, he was uh, saved in a Baptist church and um, uh, started teaching about the Holy Ghost, and he said he got the left foot of fellowship because they don't like teaching about the Holy Ghost, so they threw him out of the Baptist church, and, and um, uh, he went and started pastoring a, a Pentecostal church, and he said, uh, he said he nearly left the Pentecostal denomination. He said because he saw such little love operating in a Pentecostal church. Uh, and so we read Romans ten seventeen. so I wanted to read uh, Galatians 5, uh, 6 here, which says, for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Uh, and, and I think that's really the, the missing key uh, in the charismatic church. It's not so much that we don't get enough Bible because 
how many Bible verses do we go through a week, right? I mean, we go through dozens of Bible verses a week. You know, some churches may only read one verse every now and then. I mean, I remember when I was a senior in high school, uh, we were going to a word church and it kind of closed down. So we ended up going to a denominational church. And, you know, you go to a Sunday morning and, um, you know, they would have the kids come up. They would do this. They would do that. They would, and you might get 10 minutes, right? of a message and you might get one verse you might not even get a verse you might just get kind of a verse alluded to right or mentioned right but not actually open up a bible and read a verse uh, and, it, and we went there for a year and just thought, wow you know i mean how do you you know you can't grow you know if if you put seed in the ground but you never put any sunshine on it no no watering of it you know nothing no fertilizer it just it's going to sit there right i mean you put a seed in a, in a, a box of, of gravels it's never going to do anything right and so that's kind of uh, that was kind of the situation there that we were in for a year. Uh, but, uh, but he said he nearly left the Pentecostal church because he saw such little love. Uh, and, I, and just was meditating on it. You know, well, Lord, why is it that, that that's, the, I mean, that's the case, right? And, and it's still the case, right? Uh, um, what, my observation is that, uh, you, you know, there's a, another Bible verse that says that knowledge puffeth up. Uh, and uh, one of the one of the things that we have to deal with as charismatic Christians is we get more word probably than your average church, but that's knowledge, right? Uh, and if we're not careful, it'll it'll fester into pride as opposed to festering into faith, right? Uh, and if you get all this knowledge about Bible knowledge, well, I know this, I know that, I know all these things. Many times, what happens in the in the charismatic world is we become legalistic you know, uh, judgmental people because we know so much. Well, I know all this and you're wrong about this and you're wrong about that and you're wrong about this, you know. Uh, you know, uh, of course, you're not the pastor, but as a pastor, I can't tell you how many times I've been told I'm wrong, you know. Now, and, and, you know, and I know what I believe and I know why I believe it and I, and I can give you, you know, a, a dozen Bible verses over everything I believe. And so I'm, I, I feel confident in what I believe because it's based upon the Word of God. You know, many times I've been told that I'm just wrong, you know, about just things, right? Uh, and, um, uh, you know, and, it, and it's not important what the specifics are. You know, we, we do mention those on occasion just uh, for information. But um, so, uh, you know, what I would in- encourage all of us to do as charismatic Christians, because, you know, if you come to this church, you're a charismatic Christian. You believe in, in divine protection. You believe in miracles and healing, right? You do believe in, in prosperity and, all, you know, all these biblical doctrines. You believe that the Lord will speak to you and lead you and guide you in all truth and show you things to come and all the things that the Bible promises that we can have that, you know, is, is somewhat unique to the charismatic church. It shouldn't be, right? I mean, these are all Bible doctrines. You know, they shouldn't just be limited to the charismatic and Pentecostal churches. Uh, they're Christian doctrines. They should be widespread everywhere, but they're not, you know, and, and that's okay. Uh, and so, uh, so what we have to do then is we have to find out in our own hearts, you know, Lord, where am I in that, right? You know, I, uh, I believe if you're coming to church here, you love the Word of God. Um, uh, and so you've got to ask, Lord, am I seeing the fruit that I desire? Am I seeing the fruit of, Lord, I know all these things. I know all these Bible verses, you know. I, I remember one person, uh, they came up to me kind of bragging. Well, you know, they said, I, I can quote the entire book of Ephesians. You know, all six chapters, right? Uh, and, um, you know, uh, uh, I think, in fact, I think it was my friend Monty said that the thing that he's most proud of is his humility, right? Uh, and that was kind of the thing, right? They're like, wow, that's, you know, he's bragging about, you know, being able to... And, and, of course, I didn't say anything, but I knew the fellow, and I thought, you know, I would much rather do the book of Ephesians than quote the book of Ephesians, because they really weren't living according to the book of Ephesians, right? They weren't walking in love, you know, and, and certain things that the book of Ephesians tells us to do. And I was thinking it'd be much better to, to at least do one verse than to quote all six chapters, right? Uh, and and uh, he didn't ask my opinion what I thought about uh, his, his uh, bragging about being a quote the whole book of Ephesians, you know. And so I didn't tell him, but, uh, but I did think, you know, I, it would be much better to do it than to preach than to, than to memorize it, right? Uh, and so, uh, so for all of us, you know, what we have to do on a regular basis is, Lord, am I really seeing the fruit of my faith? You know, I know all these things. I, I can quote, you know, uh, how many, uh, you, if you've been to healing school, and many of you have been to healing school since day one, you can probably quote 50 verses on healing, right? At least get close to them. Uh, are we living in divine health, right? Uh, uh, you know, we talk about prosperity, you know. Uh, are we living in divine prosperity? We talk about deliverance. Are you living in divine deliverance, you know? Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, are you, are you, you know, joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Are you living in fullness of joy? 
Uh, and we, we can, we should, in all of those things, live the fullest of those, those doctrines. But if we're not, you know, maybe a good place to check on is where faith works by love, right? And so we have to decide, is it worth it to walk in love? You know, for me, having done this for many years, uh, there's no, it's no question to me at all. It's, it's 100% worth it to walk in love, right? 100% worth it to, uh, and I'm nobody's doormat. You know, I'm, I'm not just, you know, I'm not an easy mark. Uh, but I will walk in love, right? I will hold nothing against anybody, right? I have no ill will in my heart against anyone. Uh, and, um, and I will live that way all the days of my life. You know, you do something to me, I'll pray for you, right? And I'll, in fact, I'll double up on prayers for you. Uh, and, and until my heart is perfectly clear in that, so that uh, so when I think of your name, because you ever thought of somebody's name and nobody's around and, and the hackles on your neck still go up? You know, you just think about their name, you go, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, that's an area of improvement, right? That's an area that we can grow in, right? Uh, see, that's not walking in love. Uh, and we've all done it, right? Nobody's around. They, they didn't even call you. You just thought about their name, you know, and you went, uh, well, you know, so, so that's an area that, uh, you know, a, a growth area, right? That I ought to be able to mention so-and-so's name and you just not go, all right, uh, you know, and, and not that any, but none, none of y'all ever done that, right? We're all perfect people, I know. Uh, but see, my goal is I want my faith to work. Amen. I, if, I, if, I, if the Bible says I can have it, I want it. And I don't feel bad about it. You know, so sometimes people get mad at you. You know, you know, how dare you believe in prosperity? You know, I, I, I told you, a, a guy, he, he attended a church here for a while. He said, you know, you all, you all ought not go on my mission trips. Now, that's really odd to tell a church you ought not go on mission trips, right? In fact, me and, me and my friend from Dublin, we're, we're scheming. We're trying to figure out how to get to Africa sometime this year if the world starts spinning up again. But, uh, and that's a, be a mission trip, right? We'll preach the gospel and pray for the sick and everything. And, uh, and I, saw, I thought just really odd. I said, well, why shouldn't we go on mission trips? He said, it's too expensive. You shouldn't spend that much money on mission trips. Like, well, what should I spend money on if not on mission trips, right? I mean, that's just, isn't that the dumbest thing you've ever heard? I mean, that's just like PhD level of stupidity, right? I mean, you gotta have a degree to be that stupid, right? Uh, and yet, you know, he said it with all sincerity that, that was, that's right, you know, you shouldn't do that. Well, well, see, that's a problem because I believe in prosperity. You know, I believe in the prosperity um, that the Lord provides to us. And if he tells us to go into all the world, then we have to believe God that we have the prosperity to go, Amen. And we're not going to take a loan out to go. We're going to believe God for the funds to go. Amen. And, and if we go this year, we will have the funds to go. Uh, and we had the funds to do this building here. You know, we always have the funds to do whatever God's called this church to do. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so I was just thinking about that, about, you know, Brother, he Brother Hagin's observation was that it was, of course, that was many years ago that he was, when he first got into Pentecostal church. But uh, we've all been a, come across super judgmental harsh Christians in the charismatic Pentecostal world, haven't you, right? I mean, just, you do one thing wrong, and, and, and if it's on their bad list, I mean, they'll preach you right into hell. But if you do one thing wrong, but they're doing that same thing wrong, you'll never hear from that one, right? You know, and uh, we, we don't want to talk about that, right? Uh, and um, uh, it, it's a shame, right? Because we ought to, because we know more, we ought to be able to walk more in love, amen? Uh, we ought, there, there should be the opportunity for us to walk in the real love of God, uh, and we all know Christians that walk in love and they're super kind people, great people. Uh, and what you'll find is even if they don't know as much as maybe the charismatic world where we teach all these different doctrines, uh, the, what they do know works in their life. Amen. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you about that because it's, you know, sometimes we go, well, Lord, how come this isn't working? Why isn't this working? Uh, and, and it's oftentimes uh, not an issue of not knowing enough. Amen. Uh, it's oftentimes... Are we walking in the love of God? That, uh, because that's what he said. He said, faith will come when we hear the word, but faith will only work if we walk in love. So we, we as Christians, must look at the whole counsel of God, right? We can't just say, well, I know everything, so I should have great faith. Well, you may know everything, and faith has come to you, but it won't work unless you live in, the, in, the, in the, a life of love, amen? So the question for us, is it worth it? Is it worth it to walk in love? Is it worth it to, to when you hear that person's name, and the hackles come up to go and pray. Go and pray for them until there's no more hackles, right? Go and pray for them until, uh, until that little man on the, on the inside that twists your stomach every time you hear that person's name is gone, right? Because the Bible says put off the old man, right? You've got to put him off, right? So a lot of people don't put them off. They keep them in the back pocket, right? And every now and then they go, you know, they pull them out. 
when it's convenient, right? They'll just, you know, don't make me angry, right? They'll, you know, uh, and, and we like pulling the old man out, right? Yeah, I'll show you. Yeah, well, I, I'm not going to show anybody, right? I'm going to walk in love and live in divine health and prosperity all the days of my life, amen? Because I'm going to not only hear the word of God, but I'm also going to walk in love to make it work, amen? So I just want to encourage you about that. Let's stand and greet each other for just a minute in, in a brand new sanctuary, and then we'll get into praise and worship. Lives within us. Father, your mercies are new every morning. Your vision is new every morning. Your kindness is new every morning. Father, we thank you that we get to be new people each and every day, Father. To renew our minds, to think like you, to talk like you. Father, to live like you. And Father, we have such an expect expectancy in our hearts to see the lost one. Father, those that have lost their ways over the years and walked away from you, sometimes without malice and anger, Father, just drifted away. We thank you, Father, that they'll come back into your kingdom, Father, receive the blessings of heaven. You desire so much to be a blessing to your people, Father. And Lord, we thank you for these things. We thank you, Father, for new beginnings. Thank you. Yes. Father, in all of these things, we give you all the praise and honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. We appreciate his goodness and kindness. Amen. We've got to find our path to, to get up here, you know. We'll figure it out, right? Amen. <laughs> Times and seasons. So let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We'll get started there today. We've been teaching about the Beatitudes, and of course we know that it's not a biblical phrase, just something we call, call them, just for our benefit. And we find, we're, we've been looking through them and finding out that each of these Beatitudes have got two promises, right? Each of them uh, start out with being uh, that you're blessed, and then... Uh, and they all said that you're blessed at the beginning of it. And then at the end of each of these Beatitudes, there's another promise, a specific promise that goes along with whatever the thing that the Lord is, is instructing us to do. What we'll find in, in these nine Beatitudes is all of them have got some responsibility for you to do. And what you'll find in all the promises of God, there's always a God side and always a man side. And man side is always the easiest side, right? Uh, uh, you know, we just have to do whatever we're told and then the Lord has to do the, the hard part, right? Because that's who he is. He always takes the hard part. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes people wonder, well, why don't I have these things working in my life? Well, you need to check up on are you doing the, re the requirement for this blessing, right? Uh, he, the very first one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and what you'll find, uh, you know, the kingdom of heaven is really all that belongs to the Lord, right? Uh, and he said all of that belongs to us. Uh, and sometimes we look around, well, where is it? You know, I'm not experiencing any of the kingdom of heaven. Where is it? Well, you have to check up on, are you qualified to receive the kingdom of heaven in your life, right? Are you qualified by being poor in spirit to receive that promise? So that's that you're earning it. It's just, here's the, here's the obedience that's necessary to receive the promise. And a lot of the church, uh, and historically, we're really bad about this. We continue to push everything into the sovereignty of God. God, if you want me to have it, you'll give it to me. That's the sovereignty of God. We have nothing to do with it. If he wants me to have it, He'll give it to me. If he doesn't want me to have it, he won't give it to me. Nothing I can do about it. I have no, I have no impact on whether God blesses me in any way at all. And what you'll find is that's not biblical at all, not even close to biblical, because we, we're reading nine Beatitudes. Every single one of the nine Beatitudes says, here's two promises. Uh, you have one responsibility. So it's a pretty good deal, right? Two for one, right? Don't we like two for one deals? Uh, what is it on Tuesdays at Amazon here? You get two for one, right? Something like that. Uh, and so we like those deals, right? We don't go on Monday. We wait till Tuesday, right? Because we like the two-for-one deals. I think it's 20-for-one deals then. But, um, and so, uh, but that's, you know, historically, when you get people uh, like uh, uh, John Calvin and, uh, who preached everything was in the sovereignty of God, even your salvation, you have no impact on whether you go to heaven or not. That's one of the worst doctrines that has ever been foisted upon the church. Because then people are like, well, then I live however I want to. 
I can do whatever I want to. I don't have to accept the Lord. I, I, if I'm going to go to heaven, I'm going to heaven. If I'm not, nothing I can do about it, uh, yay or nay. Uh, and it was a terrible doctrine. Uh, and, and really, you know, I mean, I I'm not mad at John Calvin, but he should have not been anything more than a dishwasher. You know, I mean, that was about as qualified to come up with doctrine like that. That has ruined more faith. Hundreds and thousands and probably millions of people of faith have been ruined because of, of doctrine. It's not even... You know, it's not even intellectually sound. It's not even interesting. It's boring, wrong doctrine. And yet, he's taught in seminaries, you know, Calvinism, right? As if he has a, a voice to speak. He shouldn't have a voice to speak, right? I mean, like I said, I mean, and, and, and I don't, I'm not trying to run down dishwashers either, right? You know, I mean, he, that's about his qualification. Uh, and, it, you know, he's been gone for, for centuries too. But, um, uh, but there's a lot of philosophy like that in the church, that God is sovereign. And he will only do what he feels like doing, and we have no impact on that. And yet, Jesus, every one of these says, if you'll do this, I'll do these things for you. Uh, implying that, of course, if you don't do those things, then you don't get those things, right? If you don't do your part, then and it's, salvation's no different. Uh, you know, he went, did all the work going to the cross, right? Uh, spent all uh, centuries planning the redemption, planning everything, getting it all set up just right. Bible says, in the fullness of time, Jesus came. Spent 30 years in obscurity. Nobody heard of him, right? His family did. The, the people around him did. He was probably a pretty good carpenter, you know. Uh, wouldn't you love to have, see on eBay, you know, made by Jesus? Right? I mean, you know, they'd go for a lot of money, right? You know, uh, and so, but then he, he, three and a half years was his entire ministry on the earth, right? From his from 30 to about 33 and a half was his entire ministry on the earth. And, and he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the son of God, died a horrible death on the cross, for everybody, in a, and, and in doing that, by his shed blood, he paid the price, the, the cost uh, the, to redeem all of mankind, to pay for the penalty of all the sins, right? Uh, he paid for all the sins that will ever be committed. So he didn't pay just for sins of his friends and family and that they were alive that day. All the sins that were ever committed before Jesus, all the sins that were being committed while he was on the earth, all the sins to today, up till today and tomorrow, He's covered all the sins. And so uh, he, and he's never going back to the cross. So every sin that be uh, done, if he, if he tarries 100 years from now, those sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. And, and he did all that work. And then he handed that to, to the earth, to the people on the earth and said, now, you can receive it if you want to, but you don't have to. Uh, and if you're wise, you'll receive it and go to heaven. If you're unwise, you'll reject it and you'll miss heaven. You'll go to hell, right? Uh, uh, but that's really all you got to do is accept it. And so there's a, there's a man's part in salvation. It's just you accepting his salvation. If you choose not to accept it, all that work Jesus did, all that time he spent, all the cost and, and expense of shedding his blood, for you was of no value. Uh, and for the people of the earth that reject him, it was of no value. Uh, and yet he did it. Uh, and, and, uh, and he's basically set up all of his promises that same way. I'll do all the hard things, Here's a small amount of obedience that you have to do to, in order to receive it. Well, I don't want to do that. Then don't receive it. You know, the, you know it's really simple. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, then, then don't, you know, fine. No problem. Can't make you do it, right? Not going to hold the gun to your head or anything. If you were, uh, you know, at least a 10 IQ, you would accept it, right? I mean, it, it's amazing to me that any intelligent human being is not a Christian, right? I mean, I know a lot of intelligent human beings, uh, and, and many of them are not Christians. I think, how, how is that possible? If you knew anything about salvation and what the Lord did, how is it possible that you could not, as an intelligent human being, not accept that as being the greatest gift ever given to mankind? Uh, and so that's the, way, that, that's the way the promises of God work. We don't, we're not earning them. We're just uh, being obedient to receive them. Uh, you know, we, we, it's hard for Christians to not slip over into, well, I'm going to earn my way. You're not really earning it. It's already given to you, but uh, we're just allowing the Lord to be a blessing to us. Because the, the way you got to see it is, as a Christian, when you get saved, you start at 100%. You're not starting at zero. You start at 100, you're not going to earn anyway. You're going to start at 100%. And all you can do is mess it up from there. And we, we're really good at messing it up from there, right? We try really hard to mess it up oftentimes, right? I mean, sometimes we, we, uh, we're experts at messing things up. And Paul said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Uh, and that's what happens is the grace of God is always there to help, always there to bless, to increase, to protect, and to guide it's always there. But if you choose not to be obedient to the Lord and whatever he reveals to you in the word and by his spirit in your life, then you frustrate or you, you hinder his ability to help you. 
It's there. It's always there. And he's not withholding it from you. It's, it's our actions, my actions, your actions that are hindering his grace from flowing into your life. So it's a hindrance. And he's, Paul said, I don't frustrate. So he's not saying that, you know, God just is having a bad day and he doesn't want to help me. It's I've done something to frustrate the grace of God, to hinder his ability to help me. And if you could see, see that in the correct light, the way the word teaches that, then everything starts to make sense. Uh, and one of the things that you find in the word of God and, uh, and over the years as I've studied the word, you know, much of the word of God is focused on helping you become the Christian that you're supposed to be. It's not so much about here's all, you know, there's a lot of things about prosperity and healing and those things. And those are all great verses and we study them. But a bunch of the verses are about here's how you can walk in love and to remove hindrances between you and the Lord. Here's how to walk in faith, to remove hindrance from the word. Here's how to walk in forgiveness, to remove hindrances from the Lord blessing you. And if we can do those things, then we can live at 100% of the blessing of the Lord every day. And it's not just stuff. It would be nice to be happy every day, wouldn't it? It'd be nice to be at peace every day. It'd be nice to be victorious in every situation, wouldn't it? That, those are the, the promises and the blessings that belong to us. And what we find is if we can remove these roadblocks from the Lord, then we get these blessings, right? And so if we choose not to be poor in spirit, then we don't get the kingdom of heaven, right? If we choose not to mourn uh, in the times we should, then there'll be no comfort. If, we're not, if we choose not to be meek, we'll not inherit the earth. If we don't hunger or thirst, then we won't be filled. Uh, and if we're not merciful, we talked last week about mercy, then we will not obtain mercy. Well, Lord, I need mercy. You ever needed mercy? You know, we've all needed mercy. Even if we don't, you know, I don't want your mercy, you know. Uh, well, you know, uh, we all need mercy from the Lord on occasion, right? Uh, you do not want to suffer for your own sins, amen? First of all, that job was taken by the Lord Jesus, amen? Uh, unintelligent people will say, I'm just, I've sinned, I'm going to suffer for my own sins which is really dumb because somebody else has already done it. It's not they're going to do it, you know. You ever have somebody kind of help you? Hey, I'll come and help. No, no, it's okay. Uh, and, and, you know, I'll come and help you mow the grass. No, no, it's okay. Well, what if you get there and the grass is already mowed? Yeah, I mowed your grass yesterday. Well, undo it. <laughs> Nobody would do that, right? Uh, I mean, if you did, it'd be like, okay, you need some, they've got the doctor down there, you know, for mental health and they can help you out there, right? Nobody would do that. Nobody will un unmow it for me. It's already done, amen? You're not going to ask him to unmow it for you, you know? Uh, now, a friend of mine, he, he uh, was traveling one time and he mowed my yard for me and, uh, and he didn't ask. And, and I would have appreciated actually if he had asked me only because he mowed down all the trees I planted. You know, I planted all these little, little tiny trees, you know? And he's like, <laughs> they were all gone, you know, just all of them gone. And, uh, yeah, and I never told him, you know, I thought, well, thanks for mowing over all the trees that I just planted, you know, and I guess they thought they were just sticks or weeds or something, you know, because they were just barely alive, you know, and, and uh, they weren't alive after that. Uh, and so, you know, that's kind of a two-edged sword. The Lord doesn't bless us like that, right? He doesn't, you know, let me mow your yard and also, you know, uh, uh, I mean, sometimes when Chris mows the yard, you know, she, she hasn't found a, 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 uh, uh, any gutters that she doesn't uh, like running over, you know, and so... We got dents and gutters and, you know, it's taking chunks out of concrete. Uh, I mean, because she, she only has one speed. She's, you know, she doesn't slow down and run in corners. She's about two, two wheels around every corner, you know, and, and uh, we're trying to train her because uh, I don't mind her mowing, but, you know, uh, I, I would rather not have her mow and then go fix everything after she's mowed, right? And so well, we'll, we'll get there, right? And so, so you know, the, the, and that's the, kind of the setup for the Word of God that there are things that we're required to do, that he's asked us to do, like all of his list of things right here that he's asked us to do. And, uh, and of course, we, we, we read about being meek, and, and one of the ways that you can become meek is learn how to be humble. And being humble just means stay in your lane, right? If I'm, a, if, if I'm a servant of God, then I'm a servant of God. You know, the devil didn't want to stay in his lane. He was the anointed cherub, the highest created being that we know of at that time, and it still wasn't good enough for him. Uh, and so he wanted to get out of his lane, and he did. He got thrown out of his lane and got thrown, thrown and he'll be eventually thrown in the, the lake of fire for all eternity. Uh, it, and so he wasn't happy about that. But we need to stay humble in a sense that, well, if Lord, if you tell me to do that, then my only response is yes, sir. That's, that's the only response, right? It's just like when you get married, the two most important words are yes, ma'am, right? Now that's the two most important words to know is yes, ma'am. Uh, and and with, the, when, with our relationship with the Lord, the most important things you can ever say is, yes, sir. 
That's it. No, no arguing. Well, Lord, it's so hard. You don't understand. Well, Lord, I can't do that. I'm not strong enough. You know, I don't, you know, whatever excuses we come up with, those are all wrong. The only, the only correct response when we see the word of God that was something we should do is, yes, sir. I'll be glad to. And that's, that's a very humble response to the Lord. Yes, sir. Uh, he, uh, how many times does he, does he argue with people for decades sometimes? trying to get them to straighten up. And, and it's for our own good. It's never, he's not trying to punish us. He's trying to get blessings into our life because we've got to go out into all the world to preach the gospel, amen? The only way we can do that is if we're qualified and, and have something to give to people. And all of us in here, if you've heard the word of God for more than a week, have something to give to people. There are people who are desperate for any, any hope at all in their life. And all of us in here are well qualified to preach that to them, that there's hope and there's blessings available to the Lord. Uh, and so... So we're here on, on uh, verse 8, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Uh, and we're going to spend a little time on this particular verse because this verse has been a big help to me in, in my life. And um, I, I started studying on what, it, what is the heart. Uh, and if you, uh, if you go back, and we're going to look at, uh, uh, turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In fact, you might want to go ahead and st- turn over there right now. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. We'll look at that in just a second. Um, but if you just ask your general, uh, even the charismatic person, what the heart is, most of the time what you'll hear is the heart is the spirit. And <clears throat> that's not really quite accurate. And I'm a little picky about things, you know, about being, being accurate from the Word of God. I like, to, I like to see what the Word of God says. I don't like it when things are muddy. Uh, and so uh, let's turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, and um, uh, we'll get started there in that particular verse. So what, what I want to do is spend a little time, and we may be here, you know, I, I can't guarantee how long we live, but we may be here for a few weeks because I, I want to explain what the heart is because if you understand what the heart is, it'll really help you to uh, get things settled in your, in your own life about, well, why do I struggle in this area over here? Why am I successful over here just as a Christian? Uh, and why do I have such a hard time with this thing, but this thing over here I don't have such a hard time with? And if we understand what the heart is, it'll help us to, to, uh, to see what the issue is in our lives many times and to be able to do something about it. Uh, you ever just felt frustrated? Lord, I, I, I want to change. And if you go read Romans chapter 7, Paul says, you know, I'm doing the things I don't want to do and I'm not doing the things that I want to do. You know, uh, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Uh, and so Paul was frustrated at times in his Christian walk. You ever been frustrated? You know, you want to do good and you seem like you just, you know, in your mind you're doing good, but then in reality you know you're not. And uh, sometimes it's frustrating, amen? And so I, I want to spend some time in this because this verse has been a blessing to me and we'll, we'll uh, go through and kind of explain why that is. But uh, So we, we need to first of all understand what is the heart? Because Jesus said, the pure in heart shall see him. So we want to see the Lord in our lives. We want to see him uh, in our surroundings. We want to see him operate in our lives. You know, it's not that we're going to see him in a vision. It's just we want to see him in our lives every day. We want to see him operating. We want to see him doing things for us. So we want to see the Lord. That's a big thing, right? I mean, it should be a big thing to see the Lord operating in our lives. And many Christians go for days, weeks, months, or years and never really see the Lord. You know, they, they see the Lord on Sunday, you know, but... And they hear, uh, you know, a uh, country song, I saw Jesus, you know, and, and a baby or something, you know. And I mean, all those things are wonderful. But, you know, I want to see the Lord in a supernatural way. Amen. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm glad I can see him in a flower and trees. But that's for the lost. You know, the lost, because, because they don't have the Lord living in their life. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that even creation declares that there's a God. And any, I mean, even uh, that alone should tell you that there's a God. But people, you know, still say, well, that was all created, you know, because of Darwin and whatever and, and um, a bunch of foolishness. And so, so we, we need to understand, if we can understand what the heart is, you know, there, there's, it's like, uh, uh, I, meant, I meant to get the count there, but it's like 168 different verses in the New Testament talk about the heart. That's a lot of Bible verses that talks about a subject that, well, what is it? What is the heart, right? If, it seems like if there was that many verses that we ought to know what it is and uh, and so uh, uh, from, from my studies, anything that the Lord spends a lot of time talking about seems like we should know what that means. Amen. Uh, you know, it, I think there's one verse that says how long your hair is. Uh, well, you know, I mean, we could out of 31,102 verses, you know, and he only has one verse on how long your hair is. 
probably not the most important thing to talk about, right? Now, I mean, some churches will preach you into hell if your hair's, you know, a certain length or whatever. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, how long is too long? Well, I don't know how long is too long, you know? Uh, we all know when it's too long. We all know when it's not too long. So just go with that, amen? And so uh, that's not really super important, amen? Uh, how many Bible verses talk about wearing a tie to church? Well, none, right? There's actually zero in that. And so, um, so should you, are you required to wear a tie to church? Well, no. A uh, bunch of heathens out there. I see, you know, I see one or two ties, you know. You know and so uh, if the Bible doesn't say anything about it, then how much preaching about that should I do? Well, then none, right? I mean, if it literally says nothing about it, you know, and it does talk about being modest, right? But modest is not, you know, you don't have to wear a tie to be modest, amen? And so if the Bible doesn't say anything about it, then I shouldn't have an opinion about it. Uh, especially in the church, amen? And so let, let's spend a little time to find out what the heart is because if we can find out what the heart is, see, then we can work on having a pure heart. So if you don't know what it is, you don't know how to, how to tune it up, right? Because a uh, pure heart is really getting tuned up just right. Uh, and, um, you know, if you don't know where the carburetor is, you're never going to get it tuned up, right? Uh, well, I think it's that other thing over there, right? You know, uh, and so, <clears throat> you know, anymore nowadays, it's, it's nearly impossible to work on vehicles because there are no carburetors. Everything's fuel injected and got computers and you know unless you can hack a computer you're not gonna be able to do much with your uh with your car of course I, you can right you can buy performance chips and things like that and uh, you know i don't have time for any of that stuff i just you know i'd love to have time to work on that uh but um i just i don't have time to do to do things like that so i'm glad people do and they get to enjoy that but um so let's let's find out what the heart is we're not going to go through all 168 verses or so in in the bible about that but I want to go through and explain what the heart is in, uh, in, uh, from the Word of God so that we can understand what it is so that we can get to where we need to be. Amen. Uh, and just uh, we're, hold your place there, First Thessalonians. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to read over in, in Luke chapter 4 because this is really kind of uh, some things. When I started studying this topic, um, you know, I heard some general teaching on it and it never really fit well because uh, when I get to... Uh, Luke chapter 4, and don't leave First Thessalonians chapter 5, but Luke chapter 4, Jesus is preaching here. This is right after he came out of the wilderness, and, he's, and it's his very first sermon. And they got mad at him. His very first sermon, they tried to stone him. That's really starting out real right there, right? You know, first sermon, they want, they want to kill you. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, you think he knew what he's doing? I thought he knew what, I think he knew what he's doing, amen? But, he, but he's reading a prophecy from the book of Isaiah, and he says here in uh, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Well, did we ever see Jesus preach the gospel to the poor? For sure we did many times, right? Uh, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. We'll talk about that in a minute. To preach deliverance to the captives. Did he, did he, did he ever deliver anybody from captivity, from demonic captivity? Yes, sure. Recovering of sight to the blind. Did he ever heal the, the blind? Sure. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Uh, you know, he, he, well, he did that in, in all of his work, right? Uh, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So right in the middle of that, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So, so in fact, you know, somewhere I've got a book that's uh, healing the brokenhearted. I wrote a book based on this, on this verse right here. Because the question that we've got is, if Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted, which he did, right? Because it says right there, I came to do this thing. I came to heal the brokenhearted. And uh, where in his ministry did he ever do that? When his ministry, because when we think of healing the brokenhearted, we think about counseling, therapy, right, psychology, psychologists, uh, you know, mental uh, anguish and, and going through uh, years and years of counseling. Did Jesus ever do that? Did he ever have a couch? Did you go to the couch of Jesus and lay down and he'd talk about your mama and how she treated you? And uh, did Jesus ever do that? Did he, ever, did he ever lay hands on the brokenhearted? Did he ever, ever cast a broken heart out of anybody? Yet in the church, when we hear this topic, what do we immediately go to? Immediately go to psychology. Right? We need to go to counseling, go to therapy. How did your mama treat you? How did your daddy treat you? You know, I, w I was talking to a grown man one time. He said, I can never be successful because of the way my mother raised me. Because she was a single mom. She worked all the time and she was kind of mean and ornery, you know, and, and uh, I can never be successful. Uh, and I'm thinking, what's your mama got that you're a grown man? You can choose. Person of faith chooses, right? I'm a person of faith. I choose. Right? My, my history has got nothing to do with my success in the future. Uh, the only thing that my past has got to do with my future is what I've been saying by faith. Amen? But what I've experienced and how people have treated me has got nothing to do with, with, my, with my success in the future. And yet, uh, when we get to this topic of the brokenhearted in the church, 
we want to lay everybody on a couch and start talking to their soul, right? Talk to their, talk to their mind and find out what happened, you know. You know, there was a prophet came through town, one, one church one time, and is praying for a friend of mine, and they were telling me the story. Uh, and the prophet laid hands on him and said, because you had a difficult birth, and you had a difficult time getting through your mother's birth canal, that's why you've got so many emotional problems today. And I said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And they got mad at me, you know, and didn't talk to me for a year. But isn't that the stupidest thing you ever heard? You mean, I can't choose, I, I have no right to choose because of how my mother birthed me physically. I, I can't choose if I'm happy or not because, and do you even remember? I mean, I was there, but I don't remember this, the, the event. Do you remember the event? None of us remembers the event, right? We were all there. All of us were there, right? Uh, anybody not there? We were all there, right? Uh, and so, unless you were born by C-section, right? Then you had a crane get you out. But, but, that's, uh, but you, still, you still went through the, the birth process, right? And yet, somehow, that caused this adult to not be able to be successful. Now, that was a prophet of God, a so-called prophet, you know. I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because first of all, it's not biblical. There's no, you won't find any Bible that says you can be happy unless your mother birthed you difficultly in a difficult situation. Any verse like that? No Bible like that? If there's no Bible like that, then it's not so. But, but doesn't that sound spiritual? Oh, all of your problems today had nothing to do with how you live. It's because your mama, how she birthed you. And you know, the reason why people like that, you know why people like that kind of stuff? They're no longer responsible for their actions. It's not my fault. Let me give you a little bit of insight. It's all your fault. How you live today, all your fault. How happy you are today, entirely your fault. It's got nothing to do with nobody. It's all your fault. If you're happy, it's your fault. If you're not happy, it's still your fault. Amen? Uh, and I'm not trying to be mean or hard. That's just the reality of faith. You live by faith, you can choose to be happy every day. Amen? Every day. Uh, and so, so if Jesus came to do this, then surely he did it somehow. So how did he do it? Well, that's what we have to find out what the heart is so we know uh, how Jesus fulfilled his ministry. So now let's turn over to, back, back over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. <clears throat> and it says here, In the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless on the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is a good foundation scripture because this scripture tells us that this is what, this is what makes up a human being on the earth. There are three parts. There are three parts to a human being. There's a spirit, there's a soul, and there's a body. And it's really important that we distinguish between those three because all of the New Testament gives us revelation about those three aspects of our life. Uh, and if we're not careful, we kind of all jumble them together, and we mix and match, and, and, and we're real fuzzy and un unclear in our doctrine. But this verse gives us a, a good beginning to understand how humans are made. Uh, and who made us? God made us. So who made the spirit? God made the spirit. Who made the soul? God made the soul. Who made the body? God made the body. God designed all of us to be this way. So all of us have a spirit, soul, and body. And every human being on the earth has a spirit, has a soul, and has a body. Uh, and uh, now some of these things, pretty easy to understand. Everybody knows what our body is, right? What are you talking about? Which, one's, which, one's, which part's our body? That, we don't need much discussion about that, right? Go get a mirror. Pretty easy to figure out, right? Body is the part that resides in this natural realm. Amen? The part we see, the part that has the five senses that, you know, uh, uh, that, we, that we communicate with the natural realm with, that's our physical body. Pretty easy to understand. And, and uh, we also understand that in our physical body uh, is contain, contains the sin nature. And that's passed down to us from uh, Adam, from our, our father Adam. Uh, thanks, Adam, right? Uh, because of his... Because of his failing in the Garden of Eden, then the sin nature has been passed down through all of our flesh, right? And so the thing is, everywhere you go, you're with your body, right? You ever just not gone with your body? I'm leaving at home. I'm going to go without my body. No, that never. We always go with our body, right? So, so wherever you go, the sin nature's there. And Paul talks about that in Romans chapter seven. We're not going to spend much time in that, but, um, but and we've talked a lot about that over over the over the years. Uh, and how Jesus did not have the sin nature in his body. You've got the sin nature in your body, I've got it, but Jesus didn't have it because the sin nature is passed down through the Father, right? If you go to Romans chapter 5, you can see that. Uh, and the sin nature is passed down from the Father. So since Jesus had a different Father than you and I have, see, he had the Father in heaven who has no sin nature. So that's how he bypassed that. So he got a special deal, which was unfair 
because all of us have the sin nature. So the sin nature doesn't make you do anything, but it does encourage you to sin all the time, right? Uh, you know, uh, uh, except for, uh, was it Flip Wilson's doctrine who said the devil made me do it? You know, the devil doesn't actually make anybody do anything, right? But he does encourage all of us to sin every day. And oftentimes it's through that sin nature, through the fallen nature in our flesh. Ever we go, you know, you ever had the proverbial devil on one shoulder and angel on the other shoulder and, you know, do it, don't do it, don't, you know, do it, don't do it. Well, that's oftentimes your sin nature. It's not the devil, you know, in, uh, in manifestation in your life. It's just the sin nature that's just always wanting to disobey the Lord. Uh, and that's been there since you breathed your first breath on the, on the earth. It'll be there when you breathe your last breath on the earth. Someday we'll get a glorified body that won't have the sin nature in it. That's great. We don't live there yet. And so you have to, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I put my body under. Amen. So, so you have to, and when you're talking about that, he's not talking about your physical body, he's talking about your sin nature that resides in your body. I don't let it dictate my life, right? And, and a lot of people, they just let it fly, right? Uh, my high school uh, history teacher said, if it feels good, you should do it. You know, that, that's just letting your body do whatever it wants to do, right? And we call that being body ruled, right? Just, uh, you know, people, they just have, they got no filter. Hey, how you doing? Man, you got worse hair? Well, you, you forget a comb today? I mean, what's the problem with you, right? They got no filter, right? Just say whatever they want to. Uh, and, and they have no kindness, no tact or whatever. Well, that's, the, that's a body ruled Christian, right? Somebody who just allows it sin nature to just dictate whatever they say, whatever they do. And well, uh, you know, and I actually heard a minister one time said, well, you know, we shouldn't have to restrict our lives. If we want to do something, we should just be able to do it. Well, of course, that's kind of muddy because what he was saying really was we should never constrain our sin nature. If our sin nature wants to do it, we should just do it. Because you, could, you should always do what your spirit man tells you to do, always, and you'll always be okay. But, but if your sin nature says, go and, and, and steal your neighbor's dog, should you do that? I mean, or go sleep with your neighbor's wife, you know, should you do that? I don't know what she looked like, right? Is that an option? I mean, you know, I mean, you know that's what people, people will justify that, right? They will figure out a way to say, it's okay, I have needs, right? And, and you know, uh, there was a minister not long ago, he got caught doing something he ought not be doing with women, and he said, well, I'm Italian. Is that okay? I mean, is it, is it okay for Italians to grope women or something? I mean, is that that's okay over there? I mean, I, it seems like it's not okay over there anymore. It's over here, right? I mean, but, you know, instead of just saying I'm wrong and I'm a, I'm a pig, you know, uh, you know that, that would be okay. But, uh, but no, I'm Italian, right? And so I'm French, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm French. I'm actually 100% Canadian French. Uh, and I'm trying to find out what I can do with that. I guess I can, you know, all French people drink, Ryan, Ryan. I guess I can just drink like a sieve, right? Uh, there's no alcohol in my house there. So uh, in case you're wondering, but um, so, so spirit, soul, the body, amen. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, but it also contains the sin nature. So, you know, Galatians talks about that war, right? There's a war between your spirit and your flesh. Always, always trying to, they're contrary one to the other. In fact, we'll just read it there in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, this is the life of the Christian. It, 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 well, I don't like it. It doesn't matter if you like it. It's just the way it is, right? And so uh, Paul said in verse, uh, Galatians 5, 17, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Now, he just said in verse 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So that conflict is always, always there. But Paul said, look, if you always yield to the Spirit, you'll never do anything your flesh wants you to do. That's a pretty good scripture right there, right? Verse 16 is pretty good. Verse 17 tells us that conflict will always be there until we breathe our last breath in the earth. So we have to accept it. It's not that, well, I don't like it. Okay, it's still there. Well, it shouldn't be that way. Okay, fine. It's still there. Amen. It doesn't matter if you like it. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. It's the way it is. And it's not our fault. It's not God's design. It was Adam's fault. And until the Lord, you know, in his timing gets rid of it all, then, then and he will. He will deal with it uh, in his timing. Well, why don't you do it now? Well, you need to go talk to him about that. Amen. He, he does things on his timing and not any of my business, what he does on his timing. Amen. So, but he said, we can be successful. Just walk in the spirit. Amen. Uh, you can live a life free from the, the ravages of following your flesh if you'll just walk in the Spirit all the time. And walking in the Spirit is just yielding to whatever the Spirit wants you to do. If He wants you to, to say something, you say something. If He doesn't want you to say something, then you don't say something. It's pretty simple, right? It's not really that hard. You, you'll have in your spirit man, which is, you know, the Bible says, out of your belly you know, shall flow rivers of living water. Your spirit man will direct you and guide you. Hey, speak, 
don't speak, do, don't do, whatever, whatever it is. Amen? And if you'll train yourself to do that, you'll have a very successful Christian life. Amen? So Paul said, spirit's on the body. And it's that, that's the correct order, right? God is a what? John chapter 4 says that God is a spirit. So, uh, so then the next question is, is there a distinction between the soul and the spirit? So let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 4. Because we need to get the foundation of spirit, soul, and body so that we can talk about what the heart is. So Hebrews chapter 4. And look, I, there, it wasn't long ago I was, trying to, uh, I was teaching this with another church. Uh, and to be honest, I think I was completely unsuccessful. They got kind of mad at me. They were saying, you're preaching, you know, you can live however you want to. And I wasn't saying any of this stuff, you know. Uh, but uh, th- this is a topic that, that you've got ha- you to spend a little time because it's in, in the church, even in our circles, you don't hear this teaching much because, uh, I, I guess because people haven't spent much time studying it. Uh, but I have studied this for uh, probably 20 years, close to 20 years uh, in, in trying to understand this because I think it's helpful to us. Uh, and it's really been a blessing to me. So we need to understand now, what's the difference between spirit and soul? Uh, and uh, I was reading an article not long ago, well, not long, I guess probably been many years ago now, um, and so whenever it was, but uh, someone said, uh, they were, it was a question and answer, uh, and someone said, what's the difference between spirit and soul? And so this minister would answer the question, uh, and they said, um, in fact, I think I wrote down uh, what it said. Uh, it says, they, uh, they were the same, spirit and the soul are the same, and they are used interchangeably in the scriptures. So if you see spirit, it's the same thing as soul. If you see soul, it's the same thing as spirit. And they said, all scholars agree with this notion. And I thought, you need to get better scholars because that is not true at all, right? I mean, uh, because uh, there's, in fact, uh, and here's the verse why we know that's true. Let's read uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of what? Soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So there's the word heart there. So uh, uh, Hebrews 4.12 says that there is a, a dividing asunder. There's a difference between soul and spirit. So if there's a difference between soul and spirit, we should know what the difference is, right? Because if you use them interchangeably in the verses, then when it's talking about spirit, then you think, well, that could be soul just as well. And then you're going to start applying the verses incorrectly into your, in your life and you won't have the success that you need. So we need to find out what these things are so that we can be successful because in, in my, my goal is to be successful from the Word of God. If the Word of God says, I can have this, that I want that, and, but in order to get that, I have to, have to understand what the Word of God says. And, you know, understanding the Word of God is not hard. Uh, it, just, it takes some diligence, takes some studying, takes some listening on occasion. But he didn't make these things intentionally hard for us to understand. There are some things that he did, I think, I believe he intentionally made them where you had to study them to find out what they mean. He didn't just say, hey, this is what this means. You had to go look at the whole counsel of God, see what the Old Testament says, see what the New Testament says, and you put it all together and you understand what he's trying to get across. So there are some topics like that, and I believe the heart is kind of one of those areas where you don't really see where it's kind of like, well, the heart is this. Uh, but when you read all of the scriptures and you see what he's saying, then you, then you put it all together and you understand that. Uh, and so, so that, that idea that soul and the spirit are the same is a fairly common, even today, a fairly common understanding in the church. If you ask your average church Christian, not the charismatic world, but if you ask your average church Christian, what's the difference between soul and spirit? Many of them will tell you whether well, they're the same. The, and there's no, di- no, no difference and no distinction between the two of them. Uh, and, and, and yet there's a huge difference. We'll find out what that is here in just a minute. Uh, Brother Hagen had spent, uh, in this area, spirit, soul, and body, he probably had the greatest revelation of any uh, uh, recent um, uh, minister, uh, really, in our, in our um, uh, modern period, uh, in that area. And he wrote several books and had several tape series about that to help us understand that. Uh, but when he was traveling as a minister, he would ask pastors all over the country, hey, what's the difference between soul and spirit? Well, I thought they were the same. Uh, and, but he just knew in his heart something's not right about that because literally Hebrews 4.12 says that they're, that they're different, right? And so if they're different, then we should know why they're different, amen? Uh, and so uh, he said he spent about 30 years studying this, trying to find out what this was, what the difference between spirit and soul was. Uh, and so, uh, so he knew that with the, with, the, with the body, the flesh, we contact 
this natural world, right? And so the Lord kind of directed him into putting him in, in words like that. Uh, okay, so if, if we contact the natural world with our physical body, then what do we contact the spirit world with? With our spirits, right? Well, that's, so that's kind of obvious, right? I mean, spirit world, there's a spirit world, we have a spirit, uh, and um, we contact the spirit realm with our spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a what? Spirit, oh, that's kind of a giveaway, right? The answer was in the question, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit's a, a spirit. God is a spirit. Jesus is a spirit. So we contact. So if the, if the Spirit of God ever speaks to us, he's going to speak to us through our spirit, man. He's not going to speak to us through a tree or a cloud or whatever. Yeah, that's for the lost. Uh, he's going to contact us primarily through our spirit, man. Uh, and so what's left then is our soul. So what realm have we, have we not covered? We've got the natural realm. We've got the spirit realm. So the realm that we haven't covered is our soulless realm, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, right? The intellectual realm. So that's a different realm. So that is our soul. And if you look at all of the scripture where it talks about the soul specifically, what you'll find it's always talking about either your mind or your will or your emotions. Uh, and that's the distinction. Your spirit man is the part of you that contacts the spirit realm. Your, your flesh or your body is the part that contacts the natural realm. And your soul is the part that contacts the intellectual realm, right? And also the emotional realm. And it's also the root of, and key of your will, which is really important, right? Where you make your decision. Uh, and so, so uh, we're about out of time today, but uh, just real quick. Uh, so so all, man, all of mankind is made up that way, spirit, soul, and body. Every man on the earth, every woman on the earth, every child on the earth, uh, and the way Brother Hagen uh, would summarize it, he said, they all have a spirit, or they all are a spirit, they all have a soul, and they all live in a body. And, and uh, that's not necessarily a biblical uh, phrase or a verse, but that's a good summary of understanding a, of the spirits on the body, that we are a spirit, right? We're made in the image and likeness of God, and the part of us that made, that's made in the image and likeness of God is our spirit man. And we have a soul. We have emotions. We, we have uh, intelli- intelligence, right? Most people do. There's a few that don't, right? Most people have some level of intelligence. Uh, and, and we have... Um, uh, our will. We get to make a decision. Amen. We get to choose. Uh, and that's going to be really important in the discussion of the heart. And then we have uh, our body, which contacts through our five senses, this physical world that we live in. So, so we'll, we'll kind of stop there. We'll pick it up next week. Uh, we'll, we'll get to some understanding of, of uh, how we become Christians. We know that's so we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. But what happens when you get born again? Uh, and then what doesn't happen when you get born again? Uh, and that'll be kind of helpful to understand it. So uh, we'll finish up probably spirit, soul, and body next week, and then we'll start to defining what the heart is. We'll look at the, what the scripture says about that. So that, because the goal is to get back to Romans or, or Matthew 5, 8, the pure in heart shall see God. So if we want to see God living and operating in our lives today, then we need to have a pure heart, right? And, and it's not a performance situation, right? People think, well, if I can just get, if I can just get to no sin, right? Well, you're probably never going to get to no sin in your life, right? I mean, you'll probably get to less sin. Hopefully, you get to less sin, but no sin, I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, but uh, if that's the case, then we're all doomed, right? Uh, none of us are going to make it. And so, so we need to find out what that is because we, our goal is to be able to obtain seeing God in our lives, amen, and being blessed, right? Because you always get the blessing, and then you get to see God operating in your life. And that will only come about if you choose you know, like the mission impossible, right? If you choose this mission, if you choose to accept it, right? Then you get, you do get, you know, you get to go on the mission, right? Uh, if you choose to accept uh, the responsibility of what the word of God says, then you get to have these blessings. And to me, it's a pretty good deal, right? I think it's a pretty good deal uh, that we get these things, amen? Uh, and so uh, let's pray and we'll thank the Lord for it and we'll, we'll, um, uh, we'll see what we need to do next. So Father, we thank you. Uh, for your blessings and father we thank you for the word of god father we thank you that we as humans are created by you you created our spirits you created our souls you created our bodies and so father we thank you for that and lord we thank you as we study your word that you'll give us revelation insight into into what these things mean for our lives and how to apply them so that we can obtain all the blessings you desire for us uh, so that we can go into all the world and preach the gospel and we thank you for that father in jesus name amen well, praise God. Uh, hopefully, uh, by next week, we'll have uh, some lights there and so in front of me there so it doesn't just shining on my, my white hair there. And, and um, 
because so I think if you look at the video, it looks like I'm glowing, right? And so it's not the anointing of God, it's just the, uh, the lights, right? And so, um, well, praise God. Uh, well, let's get ready to receive this, this morning's tithes and offerings. And um, like I said, don't forget, uh, they're going to come and start on the roof on Tuesday. So uh, my guess, they'll have an army. If you want to see the most amazing thing, come out Tuesday and watch them work. I mean, it'll be, you'll be amazed. When they did the build the next door, same company, I mean, it's just amazing. I thought it would take them months to do it, you know. What I should have done is figure out how they can redo the sanctuary because they could have done, got it done in uh, two to three hours, right, instead of two to three months. And, uh, and, um, but, yeah, if you want to see some, some intense work, and they'll do it, you know, they won't even wear gloves. You know, there's probably more tetanus up there than you can imagine, all that old metal that's been up there for 100 years. Um, uh, and, um, but they'll just, they'll just get after it, amen. So uh, we'll come ahead, Mr. Dare, to receive the offering. And uh, we appreciate y'all's faithful giving, amen. Y'all are good givers. And, and um, don't forget the services down in Hickson at Living Faith Church there. They'll be all week, uh, there all week at 7 p.m. Uh, starting tonight, uh, ending on Friday. And um, looking forward to those, to those meetings there. And so, um, and then I guess we're going to have, uh, we've got to get everything done in the next two weeks, right, to have food here. So, um, we can do it, right? We can do it. Three weeks, right? Oh, well, wow, that uh, breathes a little easier now, right? Two weeks we'll have our prayer service here, right, on Friday night. So, uh, and of course, it's almost June. So, June, July, August, next uh I think the next uh, service we've got planned right now is with uh, Brother Randy being August. Um, but um, sometimes the, uh, um, the Keatons come through in the summertime, so we'll see if they're coming through at this time or not. All right, praise God. Uh, well, uh, you all want to go see the church? I guess you're here so you can see it, right? So uh, will you all be blessed, and uh, uh, we'll see you at, at Healing School, right?